Bishop Earl and I are going to discuss more viewers' comments and questions next on Polygamy. What love is this? We like to take the time regularly, semi-regularly, to share questions and concerns and comments from viewers and, of course, our responses to them. So today we want to discuss a few more that we've received in the past few months. The first one is an email from someone who is interested in sharing biblical truth with those who embrace Mormonism. So we'll share what he wrote first. Here it is. After reading your article about polygamy, I am seeking effective responses to Mormons <clears throat> that say exaltation is achieved only through marriage in an LDS temple. Of course, the fallacies of exaltation, three heavenly kingdoms, <clears throat> and Mormon temple rituals have no biblical support. Have you found any effective way to testify to Mormons about any of the above? Thanks from a friendly... from a... Thanks from a finally free from the cult of Mormonism friend of Jesus Christ, <laughs> December 2020. Sometimes they, they write in a different vernacular than we read, yeah, right? I, yeah, and I have read this a couple of times. So. Well, I thought it was a very good question. Yeah. And I've talked with a lot of people who have left Mormonism, and which includes polygamy, of course, and they are very shocked when they discover that the whole world doesn't believe in their odd doctrines. I don't know if that affected you that oh, way. but I, Yeah, I totally agree. A, a lot of things that we've believed as Mormons, we just assumed the rest of the world. The whole world believed Christianity believed all that since right. we were... And some of it was the three heavens, the three the preexistence. Yeah, uh -huh. and, oh, yeah. And you could become gods. Especially that. the preexistence. Yeah. yeah. And exaltation, and of course, they're all non-biblical concepts. Um, this viewer asked if we had found an effective way to testify to Mormons about these topics. So we'll answer by topic. Uh, but first of all, the most important thing we must remember is that we cannot convince anyone of the truth of biblical teachings. The person must want the truth. They must des desire to, and accept, want to accept the truth no matter what it is, no matter how much it goes against what they've been taught all their lives. Uh, and that can be very difficult in, in many cases, in most cases, impossible. Well, very true. For a couple of reasons. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they don't want the truth, we can talk till the cows come home, and it won't do no matter what we say. They will reject it. Only the power of God can open up their eyes to biblical truths, and only His Word carries the power of God to do this. So, of course, we use His Word as we address each topic, praying that God's revealed truth will touch each heart. His first concern is the Mormon teaching that exaltation is achieved only through marriage in an LDS temple. And we'll combine that with another of his questions that the Mormon temple rituals have no biblical support. <laughs> so we can put, combine the two of those together. And he's absolutely correct. But the only way a believer in Mormonism will accept the fact that their temples and related activities are completely outside of God's agenda is if they're willing to accept what the Bible says about it. So we're going to share a couple of verses. Yeah, and I don't think you'll find these in the LDS Sunday School. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> New Testament study. <laughs> no. These are from Acts 4, 17, 24, and 25, and Acts 7, 48. <clears throat> the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, 
nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So those temples do not contain, are not where God lives or stays or, or is. It's not made with hands. It's clear, sure. right, that, because they are made by human hands. That's and. Right. And he doesn't use the temples, any temple of today, in the, um, in the way he used the temple in Jerusalem, the Israel yeah, temple at all. That's true. In fact, no temple of any religion since the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD has been a temple that God uses for his purposes. Now, the verses that Earl just read clearly explain he's not there. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 3 that he himself is the temple that God dwelt in him. So really, all we need is Jesus, yeah, right? It's right. that simple. That's, that's right. the simplicity of it all. The Old Testament temple uh, had no marriage ceremonies to seal people to people, to keep them together eternally. Only faith in the Jesus of the Bible can pe keep people together eternally. But Mormonism's Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. He's Lucifer's brother. Now, regarding marriage being necessary for exaltation, we quote the basis for that belief and what the Bible says about it. This is from the Journal of Discourses. I bear my testimony that it is a necessity and that the Church of Christ in its fullness never existed without it. Where you have the eternity of marriage, you are bound to have plural marriage, bound to, and it is one of the marks of the Church of Jesus Christ in its sealing ordinances. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. We know how sensitive the prophet Joseph was to introduce this principle. He knew the feeling that was against it. It had been taught from the days of heathen Rome down to the present time that a man should have but one wife, which has resulted in the prostitution of many of the fair daughters of Eve as mistresses. Here we have too much love for women to see them trampled in the dust. <laughs> oh boy, they're yeah, very... Talk about turning something upside down. Yeah. Huh? Here we have too much respect for unborn spirits to have them come into the world branded as bastards, illegitimate, in shame, without knowing their fathers. The children we have are legitimate. They are our own. We honor them and our wives. I'd like to take that all by itself and just take it apart, phrase by phrase, and, and put biblical truth to bear on, study on, on what that. he said. Yeah, it would be. Uh, but anyway, we want to focus on topic, and that's eternal marriage and exaltation. Eternal marriage in, a, in original Mormonism was polygamy. So the change by the LDS Church to make it monogamy should invalidate it. Yeah. Uh, because even the Book of Mormon says God doesn't change and neither do his decrees. So either Section 132 blows LDS monogamy completely out of the water, or the Book of Mormon invalidates Section 132. Now this is what original and early Mormonism taught. From Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses, Well, ladies, just be reconciled to your condition. And if there is a principle here or elsewhere that wishes to override the principle of celestial marriage, Take heed to yourselves, for I can promise you one thing. If you ever had any faith in the gospel and in celestial marriage, and you renounce or disbelieve or deny this doctrine, you will be damned. I promise you that, no matter who it is. Oh, boy. That's good. That, that's, that's Mormonism. That's Mormonism. And Brigham Young, whenever he used the word celestial marriage, it always, 
always meant polygamy, yeah. always. So in modern day LDS, according to your prophet, you are damned if you practice polygamy. But in original Mormonism, according to your prophet, you're damned if you don't practice it. So to sum up this topic, we're trying to bring a little logic into this. <laughs> to sum up this topic, contemporary LDS temples reflect nothing that the Old Testament was used for. The Old Testament did not practice endowment rituals um, and where the visitor would obey Lucifer and put on their aprons, nor were their baptisms for the dead performed in the Old Testament temples. Celestial marriage is and was polygamy and eternal marriage doesn't exist. Jesus said so. Our viewers' third concern is the fallacies of Mormon exaltation. Now, you were LDS, raised LDS, a, a bishop in the LDS church. What did exaltation, what was exaltation from, from your learning? Uh -huh. um, but it was always living with God, being in the top of the, especially the third part of the celestial kingdom. Now, was it living with God or as God? A God, well, being a God. Returning to live with God was the phrase, kind of, but it was eventually becoming a God. Becoming yes. a God of your own yeah. world. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. So that's what Mormon exaltation, right. that's what, that's right. That's exactly what it was. That's what we were taught, too, yeah. the same yeah. thing. But you had to be a polygamist to do it in, in, in your yeah. day. According you, to Brigham Young, <laughs> that's what you had to do Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the Bible and Jesus' teachings about exaltation opposes Mormon's view of it. Jesus himself said so. In Luke 18, uh, verse 14, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There you go. Now, doing self-righteous works, working and doing all of these good things to earn exaltation is exalting yourself, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that it working is. to exalt yourself? That's right. Now, Joseph Smith exhorted his followers that they would do well to read Isaiah. We're going to quote that a little later. So, we quote from Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 2, 11 and 12. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up and it shall be brought low. Notice it says, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. We're not looking for our exaltation. Oh, We're looking for His. And the New Testament uh, letter written to James in, in chapter 4, verse 6 says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Exaltation, as taught in Mormonism, is all performance-based. Absolutely. Exaltation is actually their belief that their good works earn them the right to become exalted, to become gods. Yep. But like Lucifer, who tried that very thing, they, along with them, will be cast out. We really wish kinda, this would take hold yeah, in some hearts. Kind of breaks your heart, actually. Right. Especially when you have family that's sitting there in disbelief or... A, Ignorant of, of the truth. Of the biblical truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Third President John Taylor said, and he was a prophet, so yeah, he yeah. said this. From Bill McKeever's In Their Own Words, which we truly love, don't we? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Third President John Taylor said, Hence, through his atonement, believers in Christ and those who obey his law partake of his glory and exaltation and are inheritors of Godhood. 
whilst those who do not obey his law, although resurrected, cannot inherit this exaltation. They are raised from the dead, but cannot inherit a celestial glory without being obedient to a celestial law. And thus we come again to a scripture quoted before. And this is from John Taylor, Meditation and Atonement. Now they claim polygamy is a celestial law. Yeah. So he is saying that you cannot be there without it. That's what he's saying. The celestial law that he refers to often is polygamy. Many of them refer to it as a celestial law. Now, Mormon exaltation is a false doctrine and cannot be true when taking all of Scripture into account. Now, humans are sinners who need a Savior, and only a perfect Savior can save us. And sinners, even forgiven sinners, cannot ever achieve the perfection of God himself. Because once we've sinned, we cannot undo the fact that we sinned. This topic leads us into the fourth and the final question, a unique Mormon doctrine that teaches there are three heavenly kingdoms. We quote from conference reports. We are living eternal life, and our position hereafter will be the result of our lives here. Every man will be judged according to his works, and he will receive only that degree of glory that he has earned. There you go. You earn it. You earn it. Eternal life is earned. It's always earned by this through the celestial glory. When they say grace after all you can do, they mean it after all you can do. Yeah, that's so true. So, So according to the doctrine, each person on this planet that ever existed will get some kind of heavenly reward, even the worst person will not be punished for his sins. They believe this because Jesus was resurrected, and so that ensured everyone's resurrection, and in their dictionary, resurrection is salvation. But according to the Bible, resurrection is not salvation, but is the event when forgiven sinners will be accepted by Jesus into his heaven, and unforgiven sinners will be turned away and lost forever. The Bible does not teach there are three degrees of heaven, with the highest heaven being Mormon exaltation. It just isn't there. No. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about the differences in the glory of the sun and the moon and the stars. Nope. Mormonism has removed that verse from context, or that phrase, actually. Yeah. And they've applied different words and definitions to the words. They've twisted that passage and made it into being three levels of heaven. They have also teach that the lowest level is better than life on this earth. And, of course, with that, everybody's going to go to one of those three levels. With that, there's no accountability for sinners, for unforgiven sinners. Isn't that the way that works in Mormonism? Yeah, there's actually the low, lowest kingdom. That's where the, the real sinners will go. Right, but, they, but it's still better than here. That's what Joseph Smith said. The there's no punishment are, going on for their sins, right? It, well, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, they, they prefer to, would prefer to be there. If we knew what was going on there, we'd kill ourselves to, to get to, to the celestial there. kingdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least that's so the, it's also twisted. It's also wrong. And it's deceitful and leads yeah. people astray. We have another quote. These eternal principles must be kept. And one principle is that no unclean thing can enter into the kingdom of God. What then will be the result? 
why the people I have referred to, people who do not keep the celestial law, will have to go into a lesser kingdom, into a terrestrial or perhaps a telestial, as the case may be. Is this according to the law of God? Yes. For if they are not prepared for the celestial kingdom, they must go in, must go to such a one as they are prepared to endure. Okay. That's from the John, from so, John Taylor. John as well. Taylor, the president again, and again he says those who don't keep the celestial law, polygamy is a celestial law. Yeah. They cannot go into the celestial kingdom. Right. Now, John Taylor was a previous president and prophet of the Mormon Church, and he had 11 or 12 plural wives. No, I don't know for sure. I can't, you know, each article I read has a different number. And the celestial law that he speaks about is polygamy. Our viewer's final comment is that he is finally free from the cult of Mormonism and is now a friend of Jesus. And that's probably that's, that's good news. <laughs> the most important statement. And it's exactly why we do this program, yeah. is for statements like that from people who will find the true biblical Jesus and be set free from the bondage that is Mormonism. And the religion of Mormonism is a religion of bondage to mm -hmm. so many different things. That is. Okay, that's the first letter. The second letter uh, is a comment from a viewer that we received in January. Once again, I want to tell you what an awesome job you are doing with your program. I did have a question that's been really puzzling me. As a Christian from the Midwest, I've never had a lot of experience with Mormons, but have learned a lot from your show. I don't understand, though, if they believe they are making a bunch of children to populate their new world, what do they believe happens when those children become gods? I mean, if the children become gods, wouldn't they have their own worlds and not be with their parents? The math doesn't add up, but maybe I'm not understanding their philosophy correctly. Sorry, but this has been bothering me for a long time, and I thought I'd ask. Thanks so much. Okay, so... <laughs> interesting points. <there. laughs> it is an interesting question. Yeah. Now, the families are forever is, is the basis for that doctrine. It's well known and is well used phrase by polygamists as well as the LDS. And they use it in their advertisements because, because it has such a great appeal to the unconverted yeah. and to those who don't know their Bibles. We have a quote. Yeah, this is from L. Ray L. Christiansen. Uh, what they used to have is called the Assistant to the Twelve. But an eternal relationship of families does not come about automatically, as some suppose. It must not only be planned for, it must be earned. We must realize that only when we have lived in complete harmony with all the laws and ordinances of the priesthood, including those received in holy temples, should we expect to find ourselves prepared to dwell in what I sometimes refer to as the kingdom of families or the celestial world. So there's the family in, in yep. the celestial kingdom. Now, do you, can you see, I hope you can see, where the performance, the good works, or, yep. and, and self-righteousness is so important in Mormonism. They have replaced Jesus Christ and his saving grace with their own self-focused and family-focused ideas. A good example is the next quote. <laughs> Only in and through the family unit can we obtain eternal life. Okay, that covers it, doesn't <laughs> it? it? Does. That actually covers it. But but the family unit is not the Savior. Uh, yet they attribute eternal life as coming only from the family unit, which of course includes marriage. But the entire Bible tells us that God is our Savior. Jesus is God, and of course He alone saves. 
from Jude 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. To the only God, you know, yeah. let's pick these up piece by word by word. Right. The only God, our Savior, God, God, our Savior is Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. Um, only he has that authority and the glory and the majesty. Uh, before before all time and now and forever in all time, eternity, future. And they've replaced it with the family, with polygamy, yeah. with laws and ordinances. Isn't this that is, sad? This is one of the greatest messages that came to me eventually. Mm -hmm. was this is all about Jesus, me too. not me. Me too. And that didn't hit me right up front. I was learning all the negative things about First Vision and Book of mm -hmm. Mormon and Book of Abraham and Sometime stuff. Sometimes we have to get that out of the way before we can yeah, get into that. Yeah, and eventually I started thinking or started learning about this Jesus person yeah. That, I, yeah. that I never knew before. Yeah. And, and that's the way it was with me too, by the way. I had to it? get all of that Mormon stuff out of the way and, and understand that it had been deceitful and that wasn't true history. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw Jesus right. and it was... Yeah, just, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it is all about Jesus. Yeah. Jesus alone is our Savior. He doesn't require our help of good works or anything else. Uh, he doesn't require the help of human families. In February on social media, someone made some very interesting observations about this very topic. And with his permission, we are sharing some of his conversation. Mormonism is a patriarchal society that believes all worthy Mormon or LDS men will be allowed to take their posterity, their wife or wives and children with them to the celestial kingdom if they've been sealed in an LDS temple by one holding the proper LDS priesthood authority. This gives Mormons a false sense of security concerning their eternal future and even non-practicing Mormons cling to the hope that they will make it because they were sealed to good Mormon parents. But this doctrine is illogical and cannot work even within Mormonism. Let's consider the families are forever scenario. As a child, you're sealed to your LDS family in a Mormon temple for time and all eternity. As you grow to adulthood, you, adulthood, then you marry a Mormon and are sealed to that person for time and all eternity. Unfortunately, the person you married was also sealed as a child to their family for all eternity. Now you have a serious problem. Which sealing takes priority? Then as you and your spouse have children, you will seal them to your new family. But when your children grow up and get married, they will marry Mormons who have been sealed to their families. So again, which sealing takes priority? This becomes an eternally complicated problem. There is one final glitch to this fantasy. The ultimate goal of every devout Mormon couple is to be exalted to godhood. When exaltation is achieved, each worthy couple will become a god and goddess of their own world. If this is true, how can families be together for all eternity? Instead of being together, the best Mormon families will literally be scattered across the universe on different planets. When confronted with these incongruities, a Mormon may, may say, may respond, we don't understand everything now, but God will work out all the details in the end. Boy, that was my favorite comment. Yeah. <laughs> Mormons have no reasonable explanation for the eternal family's dilemma. And though they may appear to dismiss the problem, we know that this topic haunts them. Unlike Mormonism, the focus of a Christian's eternal existence will not be on the relationships we enjoyed while here on the earth. 
our eternal focus will be on God. And that sums it up pretty good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really <clears throat> does. I just figured we were going to have general conferences up in heaven <laughs> and that everybody together, would get have together. family reunions. Yeah, <laughs> every six months we'd get together and have oh big my. family reunions. <laughs> that would it's, be a big family, wouldn't uh, it? Um, so I hope that the, the viewer who asked this question kind of got the logic of eternal families. It, it does make no sense, and it's, of course it's not biblical either. We have another viewer's comment. Every time I hear a former LDS mention the blood atonement, it is not about Jesus' death on the cross, as the Bible teaches, but about shedding someone's blood to make that person pay with their life for betraying the church. Thank you so much for having these lessons every week. God bless you always. And I thought this was interesting because I hear people from Mormon fundamentalists talk about their being taught about blood atonement, but not people from the mainline LDS church. And, and this one says that the, the L, people from the LDS church have said that. Thinking about um, This person is correct. The Bible does not teach the shedding of someone's blood to pay for their own sin. The only blood that pays for any sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So no one's sins can be washed away by their own blood. Yeah. And, of course, um, Mormonism teaches that the atonement took place in the garden. Um, but we, the absolutely not true, no Bible passage uh, at all, backs up that idea. In fact, we read this quote from the book of Hebrews. Yeah, chapter 9, verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Okay, without the shedding of blood, not without the sweating of blood, okay? <laughs> so it's the blood of Jesus that takes care of it, and it is the blood that he shed on the cross. And finally, it was Brigham Young who taught blood atonement, and the early Mormons did carry it out for a time. He, he taught the blood of the sinner yeah. would become a sweet savor to God, when actually it would become a stench because it was murder. Jesus alone pays for the sins of the repentant sinner. And a final comment from a friend after we did the programs entitled Letters to Sarah, he said is that Mormonism in polygamy and polygamy requires our sacrifice for salvation, but in biblical Christianity God presented himself as a sacrifice for our salvation. And point. we wanted to bring that out because it's so true and it is. It's a wonderful point that we hope our Mormon and polygamous viewers would take to heart. His own sacrifice is all sufficient. Great. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Jesus and Jesus only. And even this whole thing about uh, saved after all we can do, there's just no way to measure wh how far That's right. what we have to do to be even meet that minimum standard, you know, mm -hmm. how much do we have to we do? Yeah, Such a great message if it Jesus is, has done it all. He's done it all. Absolute, you know? done it all. We don't have to add to it. Just believe it and trust it. Yeah. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate you betcha. Thank you. Yeah. You know, in Christianity, following Jesus is, is being called to serve, not to rule. In genuine Christianity, our, letter, our leader is not an exalted Latter-day Saint or Latter-day Prophet and Seer or Revelator, but our leader is Jesus Christ only. Christianity sees all people equal. We're all equally sinners and equally need a Savior. Jesus said he came to serve, not to to rule. And he said the servant is not greater than the master. So we too should
to be servants, not ruling over and judging other sinners as Mormonism's religious leaders do. Someone said Mormonism is a cheap knockoff of Christianity. Well, our salvation is by grace alone. Anyone trying to earn salvation by any works of any kind is under a curse. That's what the God said in Galatians. Mormonism says grace after all you can do. Jesus said grace alone, not by works. Don't accept a knockoff of Christianity when you did, can have the real thing that was bought by Jesus Christ and such at such a high, high price and is our gift. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.